Hello and welcome to On the Mound here on VIC. I'm Max Tanzer, joined alongside Matt Sossler and Tommy Muma. We hope you guys are having a fantastic weekend. We have a ton to break down for you guys this afternoon here in the Major League Baseball world. A lot of moves going on, some non-tenders, which has really made this free agency market a lot thicker. And hopefully we'll heat up the hot stove a little bit as it's been very cool here for the past couple months or so. Let's read off some of the bigger names. Now, there were a large number of of guys who were non-tendered or weren't tendered contracts uh, as teams wanted to avoid arbitration due to COVID-19 hurting the economy and a lot of the checkbooks for Major League Baseball owners. So this is a little bit strange seeing all these guys get non-tendered. Some of the biggest names, Kyle Schwarber of the Cubs, Eddie Rosario of the Twins, Archie Bradley of the Reds, Adam Duvall of the Braves who had a really good year in the shortened season, David Dow, an all-star in 2019, non-tendered after a tough 2020 by the Rockies, Hanser Alberto, another really good underrated player from the Orioles as well. Tommy, let's start with you. Out of all these guys, even some guys I didn't mention, if there is one that jumps out to you, which one surprised you the most? For me, it had to be Kyle Schwarber. I just think, you know what he's done there with the Cubs, and you know it better than anybody, Matt. But, you know, obviously he has struggled. Um, he had a pretty rough 2020, hit 188 in uh, 59 games. So obviously that's not great, but I still think there's a lot of potential there for him. Um, and, you know, in terms of my team, the Yankees, I think that they could certainly be in play for a guy like Kyle Schwarber because Brian Cashman is a big fan of his. He's been trying to get him, um, you know, various times through trades. So I think his bat would play well. But Hanser Alberto as well. I mean, he hit 299 in his two years with the Orioles, and he was 394 against left-handed pitching. So, you know, that's another really good player. That was a surprise, Nutty Rosario too, but. Um, you know, there's a lot of big names here, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, where they go as we move further into the offseason. Matt, what are you thinking? Um, I got to go with the last guy that Tommy mentioned. That's Eddie Rosario. Typically, I would stick with the north side of Chicago and go with those guys. However, we'll hit on this in a little bit, but I wasn't really surprised by that. But now back to Eddie Rosario. I'm just shocked because the Twins have struggled to get over the hump in the postseason, and I think Rosario is a guy who, if they decided to keep, that he would help aid that and help them eventually get over that hump. A quick look at some of his 2020 numbers, 13 home runs, 42 RBIs, which looking right now at the year-by-year and considering the amount of games almost cut in half, a little less than half of the games that he played the prior two seasons, he's been on pace to improve that number to get better in the standings and in those stat categories he also finished he got a couple mvp votes and i think that it's a shocker that the twins are looking to break down right now when they're trying to build up yeah and i think this is a theme we're going to see throughout this entire offseason you know teams know that they can't maybe climb up as high as $150 million or even higher than that on the payroll and because of that you know they're not going to be able to keep some players and i think they're as sad as it is to say, they probably just have to accept it and move on. I mean, you talked about it, Matt. A guy like Rosario, consistently above league average in the OPS category, was fantastic in 2019, hit 32 homers, OPS 800 on the dot. And then Kyle Schwarber, too. I mean, for anyone who's big in analytics, this is your guy. And Cashman and the Yankees analytics team. Kyle Schwarber probably rake in Yankee system 
Yankee Stadium, excuse me, and he really fits the bill for what they're going for here. While the batting average doesn't jump off the page, again, the slugging and on-base numbers are incredibly high, which of course results in a high OPS, 701 last year, but obviously the years before, uh, 871, 823. So he has promise as well. Another thing that's affecting the free agent market, you guys, is this shortened 60-game season. For example, let's use Kyle Schwarber. 701 OPS, not characteristic of him. It was in 59 games. You know, if you give Kyle Schwarber 70 more games or so, that probably boosts up a little bit. But now because of that, you know, he's going to get paid a little bit less. How do you guys think this is going to affect the market? I mean, look like look at, look at a guy like Trevor Bauer, too. Struggled mightily in 2019, pitched his heart out in 2020, and is probably going to get one of the largest contracts this entire offseason. How do you think that dynamic is going to play? Well, I think that this is going to be the biggest boom-bust free agent market that we have seen. There are going to be guys who receive the most expensive contracts who are going to probably be on the trade market within the next couple of years, and there are going to be guys who get a cheap payday, and then if their contract is short enough, they're going to be on the market again once they heat up when the season hopefully is able to return to as normal as possible in 2021 and then 2022. They're going to be a lot of guys, as you mentioned, like Bauer, who, even though he won a Cy Young, he was dominant. Is that going to last over 162 games? And then you look at guys like Kyle Schwarber, who are get, probably get robbed of a couple million dollars because they didn't have the chance to prove their worth in what eventually wound up being a contract year for both of those players. So I think we're going to see a lot of fluctuation in terms of that and the guys who don't get paid are going to have a chip on their shoulder, and the guys that do get paid better hope it's for a long time. Yeah, and something, too, that I think will be interesting, you guys, is just the idea of, in my opinion, I think the way it's going to go is the guys at the top of the market are, are going to get paid a lot. JT Realmuto, Trevor Bauer, their salaries I don't think are going to get lessened as much due to this uh, economic struggle here around America. I think what's going to be hit hard is these under-the-radar players. I mean, even look at guys like a couple years ago who hit free agency, a guy like Denard Spann, a guy like Sam Fold. These guys who put up solid major league careers were replacement players, basically, role players, basically. But through analytics, people were be able to find guys who could put up the same numbers for much cheaper. And now you add on top of the fact that teams don't want to spend a lot of money and could pay a guy league minimum to put up the same production as someone who is league average, those guys at free agency are now going to get hurt. And I almost wonder if we'll see those guys get big league contracts or not get big league contracts and instead get minor league deals. I mean, it's really sad to see. And I honestly think we're going to see some surprising names start spring training without a team. I agree with you there, Max. I think that this short 60 game season is certainly going to affect that. And it's unfortunate, like you said, that some really good players, they're going to struggle uh, to get onto a team, but I think that's just the way it's going to be this off season. And um, you know, kind of to go back to what you guys were talking about with Trevor Bauer too. I think you know it will work in his favor, winning the Cy Young. Obviously, that's huge, right? But at the same time, you look back this year, he was incredible, a uh, 1.73 ERA. But just a season ago, um, you know, he was up towards five, or I'm sorry, 4.48. And, you know, he's been inconsistent over the years. So um, I agree with everything you guys said. It's certainly going to play a factor, and it's unfortunate that it's going to hurt some guys. But it'll be be interesting to see how it plays out. 
All right, let's move over to the broadcast booth now. Some interesting news that hits close to home for Mr. Sossler over there. Matt Len Casper, the longtime TV voice of the Chicago Cubs on WGN and now What Is Marquee, is going over to the radio side to broadcast for the Chicago White Sox. Tell me about your reactions to this. Did you get blindsided by this? Were there any rumors about this? What were your thoughts on it? Well, for starters, it, this was a complete blindside hit. Last night, um, where I am, and uh, I came Twitter, social media, before, had enough had enough to sleep and typically you don't expect much at one o'clock in the morning and I see that side of Sharma the athletic contributor for the Chicago Cubs tweeted that and it was a complete shock Lang Casper is in the middle of a mega contract with Marquee Sports Network and given the way that we've talked about with the economy going and the whole world basically you really don't expect guys who don't have to leave to leave However, I think that looking back at it, I'm not entirely surprised that he made this move, given that not only the White Sox were in sort of an influx with their radio broadcast booth due to the sudden and unfortunate passing of Ed Farmer at what would have been the start of last season, and then Andy Masur, who did a great job filling in. Unfortunately, they did a station change from... WGN radio to ESPN 1000 and with that it allows the team to make personnel changes and Marquis let the White Sox talk to Len Casper and they gave him a deal that he couldn't refuse and those numbers have not been released yet because it's not all about the numbers uh, according to reports he has always wanted to call games in the postseason and the one thing that is a disadvantage for TV broadcasters, no matter your team, is that you don't get to call postseason games. That gets handed over to Fox and TBS and MLB Network when the time comes, but the radio guys get to call it the whole way through, and Len Casper really wants that, and the White Sox are an up-and-coming team that will for sure be in the postseason at some point within the next few years, and if luck has it in the World Series the next few years, so he'll get that chance, especially considering that Right now, I think that's a great deal because he doesn't have to move his family and he gets to do the job that he wants to do. Yeah, and, you know, I, I see where he's coming from. You know, to me personally, I'm very biased on this. I like radio. You know, if I were to have the decision between to do to two to broadcast, I would probably choose radio because I feel like there's more of an art to it. You mentioned he wants to broadcast a postseason game. I, I think he left a lot of money on the table. Of course, as you mentioned, we don't know the margins, but he probably did leave a lot of money on the table to take this job, and I credit him for that because he loves the art of broadcasting. That's something he wanted to pursue, and the White Sox are a team that will be pushing for the American League Championship at the very least this season, if not for a World Series. Again, we don't know what's going to happen. Not too many moves have been made, but they're a very promising team going into next year. You know, And it's just the most interesting dynamic or piece of this is that he's jumping to the rival team, or at least the rival team in the city, in the Chicago White Sox. You know, it's something you don't see too often. And I just wonder how Cubs fans are going to react to this when Len Casper comes back to Wrigley Field when we see a White Sox-Cubs matchup. Well, I, it's kind of becoming a semi-norm in Chicago. We've seen this before, unfortunately not in my lifetime, but keep in mind that the most iconic guy to 
sit behind the microphone at Wrigley Field was once a South Sider before yeah. coming to the North Side. So this is the opposite. And even though Harry Carey did not achieve the same amount of fame that he did on the South Side as he did on the North Side, I think that this is going to have a very similar feel to it. And we'll see. I, it depends on what the Cubs decide to do. I've heard many names associated with a potential replacement, such as Chris Myers from Fox. He also has a partial contract with Marquis. He did some contributing work over the last season. I wouldn't be surprised if they pursue him to be the next voice of the Chicago Cubs on TV. And then also I've heard slight rumors about another former Cubs broadcaster coming back and actually coming home. And that's Corey Provis. Provis grew up in the Chicagoland area, was with the Cubs from 2007 to 2008, helped out on the radio side of things. He's with the Minnesota Twins right now. And I've heard some rumors about that. So it'll be interesting to see who they pick. And there are going to be certain choices to me personally as a fan that sting a little bit less than others because obviously Len Casper has been behind the mic for 16 years. He's been through it all when they were absolutely terrible at the early part of the the past decade. And he rode a World Series championship in 2016. And then all those good years surrounding that. So it'll be interesting to see. It's a new era and the Cubs have plenty of options, but right now it just all seems like things are going to be changing a lot faster than a lot of fans think on all levels we saw a couple weeks ago Theo Epstein would not be returning and we all understood that move because of the finances and everything we talked about a couple weeks back and then you get the non-tenders with Schwarber and Almora but again I kind of expected that due to the fact that they are going to have to make some decisions over the next two or three years and they needed to start that now and the one place the Cubs fans thought that wouldn't be touched would be the broadcast booth and look what happened it's Honestly, 2020 within a span of three weeks for the north side of Chicago. Yeah, and I think what's really sad, too, is, you know, the connection to that old Cubs team very likely could be Len Casper, right? The Cubs are going through a transition right now, and the few pieces that may have remained are the broadcast team. Now, obviously, the radio team will probably stay the same, but that is another huge piece that you're ripping out of the hearts of those Cubs fans who followed the drama and the excitement and the fun of that stretch from 2015 all the way to 2020. So you got to imagine it is very disappointing, but it's part of the business. You got to be happy for Casper on this one. All right, let's move to a hot stove move here. I mentioned it was cold earlier, but we did get a move this week. That was Trevor May signing with New York Mets. This was, I don't want to say a surprising deal, but one that was under the radar just because Trevor May gets underlooked with all of the big reliever arms that are on the market right now. But Trevor May is one of the better relievers, back in relievers in Major League Baseball, in my per- opinion. He's a strikeout machine. He's super smart, super good at engaging with fans, which is something the Mets have obviously adopted with Steve Cohen and his Twitter presence the last couple of weeks here, ever since he took over the helm of the New York Mets organization. I love this move because not only are you bringing in a good personality that's going to set the tone for what's a new era of New York Mets baseball, but what's also really cool about it is now... They have a staple at the back end of the pen. You got May in the 7th, Lugo in the 8th, and Edwin Diaz in the ninth. And, well, again, Edwin Diaz gets a lot of grief from Mets fans. He was very, very good last year, minus the couple of blown saves. So the Mets have a legit bullpen now. You add on the fact of Justin Wilson and Dylan Patantis, if he can be healthy and put up a good year. This is the formula for what could be one of the better bullpens in Major League Baseball right now, if everything were to go right. Of course, Tommy, I'll start with you. What are, the th- what are your thoughts on this move? 
I certainly like the move. I think that it's great to add to their bullpen. You mentioned some of the arms that they have in it already. And, you know, this isn't necessarily one of the big moves that fans were expecting from Steve Cohn. But like you said, it's a really smart move um, for the for the Mets. And, uh, you know, he had a pretty good year last year, 3.86 out of the pen. He, got, he picked up a win as well. And, you know, the year before that, 2.94 he recorded. Uh, he's been, so he's been a really solid bullpen piece for them, helped them win some games. You know, I like, you know, I like the direction that the Mets are heading. I think you're going to see more of these moves. And, of course, you're going to see probably some big moves um, throughout the offseason as well. But, you know, the Mets, they're trending in the right direction. Steve Cohen, he's putting together a really good team, and it's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, and correction here. Justin Wilson, who I did mention, is a free agent right now. They could still bring him back. but So you got to imagine they're going to at least try and look for another lefty to put into that bullpen. Matt, what are your thoughts on the move? Uh, I think this is a good move to kindle the fire. I think that, as you mentioned, Max, this solidifies the back end of their bullpen. You're also looking at a starting rotation, if they can all come back healthy, of DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Steven, Matz, and... We'll see if Peterson takes the fifth spot or if they decide to add on there, potentially with Trevor Bauer. And at that point, you're looking at four to five guys who can average six to seven innings, and then you add these guys in the bullpen. That's a complete game. Then you look at the offense from one to nine all around the diamond. That's going to be one of the best offenses in baseball. So I think this is a move that sort of fills that gap and allows – the Mets more flexibility with the back end of their bullpen. They can have guys own individual innings. They can have guys take needed days off when they get a big lead or when they're down big. And I think that it helps the Mets out a lot. We'll see if they make a bigger splash come the winter meetings eventually and then throughout the rest of the offseason. But right now, Steve Cohen is doing exactly what Steve Cohen was supposed to do, and that is have a win-now mentality and fill in the much-needed gaps. Yeah, and I think with the Mets, you know, generally if we look at the past five years or so, their biggest plus was their pitching. And last year it wasn't there due to a lot of injuries. Obviously, they opt out from Stroman as well. And the offense was what took the lead for them. One of the better offenses in Major League Baseball, in fact. And now they're able to retain a lot of those offensive players and then potentially add on the catcher, whether that's Real Muto, McCann, Casale, or whoever that may be, and then build back this pitching too, hoping that Syndergaard comes back healthy, bringing back Stroman for a year, potentially adding on with a Trevor Bauer or something like that. I think what Steve Cohen here is filling in the gaps because the Mets are a good team on paper. They've always been a handful of players away. You know, in 2019, it was the bullpen that was absolutely horrendous. Last year, it was just that the pitching could not stay healthy. You couldn't put it together. He's filling in these gaps, turning the Mets into an all-around great baseball team, and they're competitors for the Braves right now. If I'm the Braves, I'm nervous right now because you got the Mets right behind you, of course, who are likely not done yet. The Phillies are a question mark. Why don't we talk about those Phillies? There was some news this week that they probably won't be going after JT Real Muto now because they've lost a lot of money due to the pandemic and so forth And this past season, no ticket emission sales or anything like that. I don't know if they're going to step back, but it seems like they might. Gene Segura was also in some trade conversations, allegedly, as well. It's a shame, because this Phillies team has been on the rise for the last few years. Last year, they were one win away from a postseason spot in which they had a horrific bullpen. They finally have a bullpen market 
to work with here in free agency right now and to fix that hole. Yet, if they can't spend the money, they're in big trouble. And look at Mr. Harper over there who signed that big 13 million or 13 year deal worth more than $300 million looking for some playoff moments. Will he get it? I don't know. But what are your guys' thoughts on this, starting with you, Tommy? Or were you, Matt? Let's go, Matt. Well, as Phillies manager Joe Girardi would say, it's not what you want. <laughs> I, I think that they got the big wig manager. They had a chance last year. Obviously, as he said, they were one game away. And this is not the time to be stepping away from the NL East. The Mets are getting better. The Braves are getting better. The Nationals are still relevant. And the Marlins are getting better. That means everyone else is getting better in that division. And if I'm the Phillies, you could look at it two ways. You could either look at it as, okay, everyone else is getting better. Let's take a step back, get those gaps, and reset. However, you have too many guys who you're wasting their time. And honestly, it's not just a Phillies thing. It's a Philadelphia thing right now (laughs) where they have so many guys on high payrolls. And this is across the board of the Southern Philadelphia Sports Complex. And they're burning their contract, letting them get paid, walk away with no wins, no rings, no postseason appearances. And it's, again, not what you want if you're Joe Girardi. And I think the Phillies need to start making a push to add some guys to at least be a little bit competitive with the ever-evolving National League East. You're certainly right, Matt. And to lose a player like JT Realmuto, that would be very tough for the Phillies and you know somebody that I'm looking at um, if he indeed does not come back is Austin Romine he is available on the free agent market and you know he was with Joe with the Yankees I certainly think that he's somebody that they could go after Um, one of Max's favorites Mike Zanino is out there (laughs) Um, Yadier Molina so I think that if they aren't able to bring him back because of financial reasons I certainly think that they can fill that hole but um but not quite uh, fill the shoes of JT because he's just, we all know what a dynamic player he is behind the plate there. So that would be a difficult loss. But, you know, I hope that they can um, improve this team and get back to where they want to be because, you know, you mentioned, Max, they really are pretty close. They, you know, they have some key uh, spots that they need to fill, absolutely. But at the same time, they have a really good core there that I feel like they have a chance to contend if they add a couple pieces, but um, yeah, we'll just have to see. No doubt, and you mentioned some catchers uh, right there in that situation. Obviously, it goes Real Mito, then McCann, and then you got guys like Romine, like you said, Casali, and so forth. Yadier Molina will probably be fairly expensive as well, but you could go with a Romine, Casali, or Zanino if you wanted a cheaper option. You're probably just taking out the punch of the offensive contributions that JT Real Mito brought from the backstop which would be a loss but the Phillies are a good team on paper but also remember they're losing Gregorius as well I don't know what their direction is right now we'll see as the offseason develops but let's move on to a new team now a team that's always been on the rise the last few years a team that has been very promising and is pushing for a World Series and that is Tommy's New York Yankees Tommy I tasked you with making a wish list for what you want to see the Yankees do three things what are those three things Well, for me, and I think for every Yankees fan, the number one is obviously DJ LeMayhew. We've seen what he's been able to do over the past couple years. He's absolutely incredible. And so DJ, he's number one. Um, Pitching depth would be number two for me. Uh, You look at the rotation right now, you have Garrett Cole, who is there, but, you know, behind him, Severino's got to come back, and then 
Uh, you know, Tanaka's a free agent, so I'd like to see them at least bring back Tanaka or add another arm. And lastly, some catching depth as well. Gary Sanchez, he struggled over the past couple years, and I think that you have to at least get a stronger backup catcher or somebody else to replace him, potentially a trade. You know, I still have faith in Gary, but I think you need a little bit of insurance there. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on Gary Sanchez? I think that's definitely an interesting topic for Yankees fans this winter. I don't think he has too much trade value, but obviously he's running out of time. A really tough year last year. What are your thoughts on him going forward? Do you think he can step back up and put up the offensive numbers he put up in 2017 and the big two-and-a-half-month stretch in 2018? Where do you see this going with Gary Sanchez? It's difficult because as a Yankees fan, I, I want to think that he can get back there. Personally, I think that he can get better, but I I don't know. It's tough to say, but I think that those days are behind him. As much as I'd love to think that he could get back there, it's just 147. That That's really tough, and it's not like this is the first time. He hit 186 in 2018, uh, 232 in 2019 after having a really good first half. And he still put up some really good numbers, 34 homers, 77 RBIs, but he had a pretty tough uh, second half of the season. So, honestly, I don't know. I am I am concerned about him. I, you know, 64 strikeouts last year in 49 games, that's a pretty alarming rate. So, I think they need to add somebody, but I, I think he can improve for sure. Another thing to ask, too, here, I know... DJ LeMahieu is on the wish list of every Yankees fan right now. There's a lot of different combinations that the Yankees could go with. They could either push Torres to second base, grab a shortstop, or keep Torres at shortstop, grab a second baseman. I'm sure you've put the puzzle together or different puzzles together in your head to solve this equation for Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone this offseason. What are some of the different uh, options that you see them going for? I think that Francisco Lindor is a possibility, but at the same time, obviously they would want a lot in return, and I'm not sure if they would be willing to do it. You hear uh, Luke Voigt's name thrown out there in trade talks, but we saw what he was able to do, 22 home runs, led Major League Baseball. So I think that's a possibility, but personally I do feel that DJ will be back. I think that it might take some time given the market um you know i know that he wants five years the yankees are currently thinking about four years so we'll have to see um how that goes but you know i would like to see Didi gregorius back in pinstripes but it doesn't sound to me like that's going to happen unfortunately but you know i think that's certainly an option until he signs somewhere else i know that the team would love to have him back um well i mean the players that it doesn't really sound like the front office has too much of an interest, but, um, you know, I think those are two ways to fill the void, but I personally think that you're going to see DJ back at second, Glaber Torres over at short. And lastly, too, I know I'm pounding you with the Yankees questions, but I'm sure the Yankees fans hey, listening right. love it. What's more important for you right now, filling in the gap in the middle infield or filling in the gaps in the starting rotation? Obviously, in the starting rotation, there's a couple more gaps with Paxton and Tanaka leaving, but would you rather keep the starters you have now, maybe add on a buy-low guy and bring back LeMahieu, or would you rather fix the starting first and then figure out the middle infield later? That's really tough, Max. I think 
assuming they can't do both, because that's definitely a potentiality, especially with the Yankees and the money they have. But if you had to choose one, which one would you choose? If I had to choose one, I think it would have to be DJ LeMahieu because other than him, they really don't have a consistent um, average hitter in that lineup. And obviously they have some really good um, hitters that can hit for average, but not quite to DJ LeMahieu, 364 in 2020 and then 327 the year before in 2019. So I think that that's the most important priority for the Yankees. But at the same time, pitching is huge because right now that rotation isn't great. You know, who do you have coming back? Garrett Cole, obviously. Um, Jordan Severino, Montgomery. Severino, that would be huge if we could get him back healthy. Um, Domingo Herman, that's a really, um, you know, that's a big arm if he's able, able to straighten everything else out off the field. Um, so that could potentially be an arm um, in the rotation. But I think uh, Tanakh would be great to bring back. And a guy that I heard Michael Kay talk about the other day was Carlos Rodon of the White Sox. Um, he was non-tendered. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I think those are two big priorities. But DJ has to be the number one for me. Well, how about that? The expert on the New York Yankees, Tommy Muma giving all the Yankees fans everything they need to know. Well, that's going to wrap up our show today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in here on VIC. We covered a lot. The non-tenders, Land Casper jumping from the Cubs broadcast to the White Sox broadcast, the New York Yankees, and so much more. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. For Matt Sossler, Tommy Muma, I'm Max Tanzer. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll catch you next time.